Okay, so it's my privilege this morning to um, invite Rion, Brother Rion, uh, to come and share with us the word. Rion, you can come up. <clears throat> if he stands at the bottom, he's already as tall as me on stage, yeah? Um, but uh, yeah, Rion is not just a, a, a big guy, he's uh, got a massive heart. And uh, Rion, yeah, we just, uh, we're keen and eager to, this morning to come and listen to you. Um, if you know Rion at all, you'll know that he's so generous. This, this is probably the one word that just stands out. It's like written all over him, generous, generous, gener- generosity. So um, yeah, let's open our hearts. Let's, let's give him a warm welcome. Thank you. Morning, everyone. It's a privilege and honor to be able to share the word with you this morning. Really, it is. Um, and this morning, uh, we're going to be just talking about the heart. Um, as you can see up there, heart after God. And uh, this is, I try to do my best about heart with trying to ignore Valentine a bit, but I suppose it's a bit of both. Eh? Um, but you know, God is after your, your heart. Your heart is a prized possession to him. And um, I want to tell you this morning that God so beautiful until he has all of your heart. Um, so before we go into just the intro of my message, I just want to pray for us. So let's just close our eyes. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning, Father. As you have gathered us together, Father. Father, we know it's not you have a purpose for this morning, Father. Father, each heart that's here this morning is valuable to you. So, Lord, we pray right now by your Holy Spirit that you will open our hearts, that you will unlock our hearts, Father, to be able to receive from you. Lord, I pray that nothing that I say today will be my words, Father, but all the words that I say will bring honor and glory to your name. So, Lord, we worship you, and we thank you for this opportunity this morning, and thank you for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I thought I'd start off a little bit by just chatting about my life. I've uh, um, preached a couple of times and gone into my past. I'm not going to go a lot into certain areas, but I just wanted to start off by my journey. My journey started when I was young, and I'm going to skip forward quite quickly, and things happened in my life that I sort of strayed from, from God, or not sort of, did. You, you can't sort of, you do. Um, so I strayed from God, and in 1996, 93, let's go back to 93, I got a transfer, and I was working in McClare. Um, I was a manager of a cash and carry there, and it was years of my life completely living opposite to what the Word of God says. Um, then in about 1996, start of 97, an encounter happened that would change my life forever, a little Baptist church in McClare with a handful of people, a pastor by the name of Yanni Khos made an appointment with me. I thought, this is weird. I didn't even go to his church. You know, what does he want with me? Does he want to buy some goods or, you know, for the church or something? He came into my office, and I'll never forget his words. He came straight to me and he said, Rian, God sees your heart, and he's calling you back. He says that you've strayed for many years, but he has a plan and purpose for you specifically to fulfill in his kingdom. And today he's saying, come back to me. I, it, it, it was an encounter like I've never had actually before and since. 
it like, you know, when someone talks to you and they hit the button, you know, have you been prophesied over or someone's come to you and spoken to you and, and you know that you know that you know they've hit the spot in the heart. And from there, slowly but surely, got back involved in the church, Lee and myself, we were married then, and we started serving there. And it, it was such a nice time to be in a small community to just get your, your spiritual heart connected to God again. And it was so awesome. And fast forward, you know, and our hearts are also, our journey with God is also a bit up and down. Anyone want to raise a hand there? You know, David, if you look at him, the challenge has come. We missed the boat. And it happened in my life many, many times. But God is faithful. God is faithful through everything. And fast forward till about 2010, we were living in Queenstown then. And... Um, I uh, lost, lost my job, and for eight months, I didn't have work. For eight months, luckily, God had really provided financially. We, we could handle it. I became a housewife. So any housewives there, just put up your hand. Anyone? Come on, there must be a few <laughs> at the back. I respect you guys. It's a hard job. Lee would work, uh, leave for work in the morning, and I would... Um, they have extended quiet times, which were great. I'm going to get into that now. But then I would decide what's the menu for supper, you know, because it was my duty to fetch Kara at lunchtime and, and, and prepare the meal. But it, it was such a good time in my life. You know, if I look back at it, we could think the negatives. You don't have work. You don't have an income. For 20 years you worked before. It's not really who's going to employ you afterwards, you know. Uh, it's sort of a middle working stage of your life. But God was so faithful in that, you know. God took me through and he showed me things that I've never seen before in his, in his word. I could spend time with him. And yes, they were difficult times. I had to work through certain things. And just like us this morning, there's people here this morning that, number one, need a heart transplant. Your heart's far from, from God. Number two, maybe, maybe your, your arteries are a bit blocked. They need to be opened a little bit. There needs to be a stent, a Holy Spirit stent put in to open them. And maybe others of you this morning, you just need a good heart-to-heart chat. So I'm trusting that those three people will, those three, uh, wherever you fall in those three scenarios, that the Holy Spirit will talk to you. But things were tough when you have to sort out things. You know, when, when, when God pricks your heart and says, He doesn't like this, and you've missed the boat there, it's difficult times, not so. Sometimes God brings you to your knees to restore you again. That's a God that we serve. He's in the restoration business. But I'll never forget how my times that I had with God then were beautiful because of the time that I could spend with Him and the length that I could spend with Him. And I'll never forget one day I was crying before Him. And I was saying, God, you know, what, what do you have for me? You know, where am I going? And He said to me, and I'll never forget this, he said to me, what are your desires of your heart? What are your desires of your heart? Everything. Not just your spiritual desires. What are your desires? What are your desires for your family? What are your desires for your future? What desires do you have? And I'll never forget I wrote them down. I wrote them down, and I'm not going to tell you all of them, but some were spiritual, some were about family, and then some was about my business. I always felt that in the 20 years prior to that, I'd be trained up 
to actually, my desire was to have my own business. And if you knew my situation then, I'm not going to go into that. It was actually most probably 99% impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. And after that, I wrote those things down and I stood on these words for two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, seven months, eight months, and God supernaturally opened doors. Fast forward five years later, five and a half years later till now, God has restored. God has restored. And I run my own business. I, um, God has blessed us like we, we would never have dreamed. Not just financially, to be with you guys, to be in this church, to, to meet each and every one of you, to have a relationship with a lot of you. I mean, it would not have been possible. So I just want to give him honor and glory, but I just want to bring you to a scripture about that, that sometimes we twist. You know the scripture well, because I'm sure a lot of us have quoted it to God. It says, if I can find it here, Psalm 37, 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But I want you to, to think about that scripture, because it's not just about him giving desires of your heart. He starts by saying, take delight in, in, in the Lord. If God is everything to you, if God means everything to you, if you delight in God, you don't need a, a, anything else. If you delight in Him, you don't need anything else. Out of His goodness to you, because He loves you so much, and because you are so valuable to Him, your heart is so valuable to Him, He then gives you and rewards you with the desires of your heart a lot of the time, because He's such a good God. And it's important that we, we realize that in that scripture. To be totally dependent on God derives one pleasure from him only. The Hebrew meaning of that is he will give you the desires of your heart, the petitions and the requests. Now, if we have God, like I said, we don't need anyone to go to the He's a good and gracious father. So this morning, I just want to go to the next slide, just the first scripture. I just want to set a foundation before I go into dissecting the heart. Now, you all got this on your chair, not so. This is going to be your um, operation, the doctors, we've got a couple of doctors here. This is an operational manual, so you're welcome to make notes on it, and after the, the intro, we're just going to dissect the heart. We're going to speak about what R feel the H represents, the E, the A, the R, and the T. So please write on it, and I hope you're enjoying the suite. The suite is there because they say... What do they say about a man's heart? One way to a man's heart is? You can see that. Unfortunately, I've got a good, good wife. Uh, like Stephen said, we're totally the opposite. He's going to introduce me here. But you can't get the furthest operas. You know, the small, thin, and the big, and not. <laughs> no, he never said that. He just said we're completely different in, in our heart and that. Okay, just setting a foundation. The scripture there, Proverbs 4.23, says the following. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Some uh, um, different translation says, it is the wellspring of life. So I just want to set a foundation there just with three quick, quick points. Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to guard our hearts? Why do we have to do that? First of all, because your heart is extremely valuable. We don't guard worthless things. You know, a good husband's duty is every Tuesday to look at all the garbage in the house, get all the bags together, not so, 
what do we do? On a Tuesday, well, mine gets picked up on a Wednesday. So on a Tuesday, I gather all my garbage, and I take it outside on a Tuesday evening, and I put it on the sidewalk. Not so? I put it there, and it's unguarded the whole of Tuesday night. Wow. It's unguarded. And it's picked up the next day, totally unguarded. And why is that? What value does garbage have? It has zero value. Not so. Zero. But not so with our heart. Our heart has a completely opposite. It has a hundred percent value. It is the essence of who you are, your heart. So just look to the person next to you and say, we're going to do a heart evaluation this morning. Look to the person. Put your hand on the heart. It's the essence of who you are. It is your authentic self. It is the core of your being. It is where all your dreams are birthed. It is your desires and your passions. They live there. They inhabit the heart. It is a part of you that connects with God and connects with other people. So the word says, above all else, why do you think it says that? It doesn't say, if you feel like it. You know, if you, if you feel like it, guard it. Or it doesn't say, if you have time to do it. Or if you get around to it, guard it. I think if the word says, guard something, I think we have to take, we have to recognize that and do something about it. Because the word is saying, it's your top priority to guard your heart. And we have to watch what we're feeding into our hearts. We have to watch that. So Proverbs twenty-three twenty-six says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. So if we give God our hearts, we bring, we delight, but he also delights in us. So I want to tell you this morning, each and every one of you, that you are valuable, that you are loved. And I want to break any lies that have been spoken over you that, are you, that you are not valuable, that you are not lovable because of things that have happened in your past. I want to tell you this morning that God values you 100% and he loves you. Secondly, just as a foundation, why do we guard our hearts? Because your heart is the source of everything that you do. Everything that you do, it's a wellspring, it's an overflow. It is the wellspring of life. In other words, it is the source of everything else in your life. Your heart overflows into thoughts, into words, and into actions. If your heart is unhealthy, it has an impact on everything else. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And I believe this morning I want to tell you that supernatural life flows from a pure heart. Supernatural life flows from a pure heart. Thirdly, as a foundation, why do we value our heart? Because your heart is under constant attack. We need to realize where the enemy is attacking us. And the heart is one of the areas. When the word says to guard your heart, it implies that you are living in a combat zone. So who all went to the army here? We got trained about a combat zone. What do you do when you go into a combat zone? What do you do? You put on your weaponry, not so. You arm yourself. You prepare yourself. You get physical. You uh, yee-haw. You know, you, you, you get your blood moving. You get... You're aware of what the enemy wants to do to you, so you prepare yourself to be able to defend that and, re- and retaliate. 
Many of us, many of us Christians are oblivious to the realities of spiritual war that is going on around us to conquer us. We have an enemy who's gunning for our destruction every minute of the day. That is his mandate. He not only opposes good, but he opposes everything that is aligned with Jesus Christ. And that's including us. So we need to be aware of that. You know, we need to put up our shields. God in our hearts helps us to win the war over good and evil. God in our hearts helps us to win the war over good and evil. It is said the following that someone's written. It says, rule with the heart of a servant, but serve with the heart of a king. Rule with the heart of a servant, but serve with the heart of a king. A lifestyle of servanthood flows from a heart after God. Because why? Our example is Jesus Christ. When he came to earth, he served. He came with a heart of servanthood. And I believe I want to release that in each and every one of us this morning, a heart of servanthood. And an important point, should I have it there coming up? You can make notes of this. If your heart is unhealthy, it threatens everything else. Your family, your friends, your career, your relationship with God, every single thing, if your heart is unhealthy. And the world, not so, is totally after your heart. I mean, if we just look at um, new gadgets, Facebook, technology, Valentine's Day. If you can just bring up those flowers now. The world is totally after your heart. And doom, doom, doom. I'm not going to sing, okay? Andre does the singing. Who, who was here for, An- for Andre's song? Thank you. But I just want to honor my wife because part of our hearts is, is honoring people and loving people. And, and Lee, if you can just come up here quickly. I didn't warn her about this. So, you know, beyond any, any man or, or, or any man with any substance is a beautiful wife and a, and a wife that supports you. So I just want to say to you this morning that I love you. And I honor you for who you are in my life, who you are to Kara, my daughter. And I really do appreciate it. And I would never be standing here today if it wasn't for you trusting and believing in me. Okay. So I love you. Okay. Lands on. And we need to also just get over ourselves sometime and tell people that we love them. So if this, ball, if this lands on you, you have to say to the person next to you, I love you. Okay. And you can keep it. Okay. It is soft. But yeah, we just need to sometimes get over ourselves and tell people that mean something to us that we love them. Let's speak into their heart. Jesus loves us. We should share his love with others. And I know it's all this macho man. I don't want to like, make myself feel weak. But to be told that I appreciate you, I love you, I respect you and honor you, builds your self-esteem. It talks straight to your heart. Not so. So let's turn to the person next to you. Hopefully it's a husband and wife or a boyfriend. Hopefully you engage. But anyway, let's say I love you. Person next to you. Come on. But difficult, eh? Hey, Clinton? It could be better. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to move on now. We know the song very well that says, a Life is a highway. Not so. I'm not, I'm not a singer, so I can't sing it to you. But we know it well. Life is a highway. I want to ride it all day long. Okay. You know the song well. So I want to say, if life is a highway, then our heart is our main mode of transport. Our heart literally determines the course of our life. It literally determines the course of our life. 
And I want to ask you this morning, I've got two questions and I'm going to move on and break in heart down in closing, is what highway is your heart on this morning? What highway is your heart on this morning? Matthew seven thirteen to 14 says the following. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many may enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The bottom line today is the following. The only reason that you are not on that broad highway to hell is because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have chosen the narrow road. And I urge you, if you haven't, God is, is standing here today with his arms wide open, wanting to receive you and bring you into his kingdom. That's his desire. That's his heart for you. And what is your heart following after? Many Christians are not living life to the fullest. They are full of self. They are full of compromise. They are, they are full of everything that draws them away from the heart of God. But they deem themselves to be a Christian. And they are experiencing heart problems. The only way to follow after God, and I've seen this in my own life, and believe me, this message speaks to me just as much as I hope it speaks to you, is that the only way is 100% after God. 100%. It cannot be less. It has to be everything. And Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus warns us that having the wrong treasures to our hearts leads our hearts to being in the wrong places. He warns us in that scripture. And what we treasure the most controls our hearts, whether we admit it or not. If possession, stuff, money, prestige, whatever it is, becomes too important to us, we must reestablish control. Or if we can't, we need to get rid of them. That's the bottom line. We need to live contently because we have chosen eternal values over temporary earthly treasures. Our hearts follow our treasure. So this morning is God your true treasure or your heart, is your heart following him? And if we look at the Bible, there's many characters that we can, we can speak about. But I think one that, that really sums up what I'm trying to get across this morning is David. What to what was David? I think we can all relate to David in certain areas, you know, certain characteristics that he had. David was a man after God's heart. We know that well. He was God's anointed king. He had a kind heart. He had a kind heart, a compassionate heart. He was forgiving. David constantly repented. He was courageous and he was at peace with God. And I want to tell, share a few things about him. He was the following, and I'm sure we can relate to any one of these. He was many things. He was a shepherd boy. He was a giant killer. He was a hunter. He was a warrior. He was a general. He was a king, and he was a poet. He was an actor. He was a champion. He was an outlaw. He was a ladies' man. He was a musician. He was a prophet. He was a worship leader. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a brother, he was a husband, he was a son. He was a parent, he was a leader, he was a hero, he was a nation builder, he was an administrator, he was an ancestor of Jesus Christ, and he was a man after God's own heart. 
And did he lose it? Did he miss the boat? For sure. A lot of the time, much worse than maybe what you sitting there can relate to. But he was faithful to God. He repented. He went to his knees. We need to be people that when things go wrong and where we miss the boat and where we do the wrong thing, we use these. We go straight to our knees to ask for forgiveness, get our heart relationship connected with God again. Don't leave it. Go to your knees. Acts 13.22 says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. So my question to you this morning is, if God knocks on your heart, will you do what he wants you to do? Will you fulfill his mandate that he has for you? You know, when you were formed in your mother's womb, and your, your, your days of your life were destined and, and, and set out in front of you, God had a plan and purpose for you. If he says, are you willing, if he knocks on your heart, are you going to say, yes, God, I'm ready and I'm willing? Yes, God, I'm ready and I'm willing. Now, I believe that if we want a heart after God, we have to wake up every day and do a heart check. We have to do a heart check. And what I mean by heart check is, are we following and thirsting after God every single day? When we wake up in the morning, we need to ask ourselves, and you know in your heart, am I following, am I thirsting after you, Lord? Or, or have things distracted me? Am I following? Am I thirsting after you? Because that's what David did. Even though he messed up. He, thirst, he, he, he repented and he was always on his knees, thirsting and following after God. Okay, we're going to go on to the um, heart now. Just the breakdown of the heart. So the heart examination. So if you can just take out your, your um, heart manuals there. You know, I just went to Hogsback for a couple of days, Lee, myself, and Abby. And before I went, what happens? You have to take your vehicle. Number one, I had two tires that the tread was, was suspect or nearly at its end. I had to change the tires. I had to physically go and fill up, check the water and the oil. I had to prepare myself. I had to get ready for the journey. So I had to do all of those things to be able to get up the mountain and to return safely. I needed to do an examination of the car. And that's sometimes what we need to do to our hearts. We need to examine our hearts on a daily basis. So if we just take the H, let's just go with the next slide. If we start with the H, I believe that part of a heart examination is a humble heart, humility. We need to have humble hearts. The definition of that, humility, equals to a dependence on God. Do we depend on God? And I know when circumstances aren't that good, what do we do? We normally go to our knees because God's the only option. But when things are going well, when he's blessing you, are you still depending upon him? Are you saying, thank you, God? Okay, the opposite of, of, of humility is what? It's up on the board. It's pride, dependence on self. So we have to be careful how the enemy comes and attacks our heart when it comes to pride. Because believe me, I've been there. 
I've been there. You can come and speak to me afterwards. It comes in very subtle. You actually think you're not proudful. But when you look back, you actually realize that you were. So we need to root out pride. Can I have an amen? We're quite, quite here this morning. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says the following. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Bible also tells us that if you humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up. James 4.10. So if you want to write the scripture down, 1 Samuel 16.7 and James 4.10. We can all look beautiful on the outside. But we've got a God that looks through that exterior straight to the heart. He knows what's going on inside. He knows your thoughts and your dreams and what you really feel about a situation and a circumstance. I want to warn us this morning, pride comes before the fall. There's no room in the kingdom of God for arrogant, prideful Christians. People that think God needs them or the church needs them to survive. You know, God needs me. The church needs me. We have to watch out for pride. Pride comes before the fall. Jesus, our example, was the most humble person to walk the face of the earth. And why do I say so? Because the Bible says the following in Philippians, that he humbled himself unto death on the cross. He didn't have to. But he humbled himself. He had humility to go to the cross, to die on the cross, to shed his blood for you and me. Not so. Okay, if we move on to the E. Engaged. Now, who's engaged here this morning? The other engaged, the ring engaged, the relationship engaged. Anyone? No one. Who'd like to be engaged? The singles? But I tell you what, I'd, I had um, Lee and myself, we were together from about 15, 16 years old. I'm 46 now. Um, I know I look much younger. Um, <laughs> but a certain thing happened when I proposed to Lee. I put the engagement ring on her finger. And I'm telling you, from that point, things changed. Why do I say that? Because all she could talk about was the wedding. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? How many bridesmaids? How many bestmen? The flowers? Where are we going to have it? It was just wedding, 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 wedding. So what do I say about engaged people? They are the most focused people in the whole world. They are focused. <laughs> So to those of you that are going to be engaged, please, the guys, prepare yourself. The woman, carry on being who God created you to be. So engaged people, I believe, are the most focused people. The definition of engaged is to be present. We have to be so careful in our lives, and myself included. You get home, you're there, but you're not there. We need to be engaged. We need to be present. When we're talking to people, when, we, when we're interacting with people, when we... Um, Talking to the lost, we need to engage with them. You know, you need to be present. You need to engage with with their likes, the questions that they have. You need to engage yourself with them. And the opposite is disengaged, to be absent. We have to be so careful that technology, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these things that they don't disengage you, that they don't take you away. You know, everyone has a smartphone. And it's weird, you know, if you, if, I never had Facebook. Unfortunately, Andre put me on Facebook. 
and I'm, I'm genuine, yeah. You should have never. I don't know what was going on with Andre that day. But after that, I like post things and I look at it and, and it's quite amazing how much time you can spend on that thing called Facebook. In Queenstown, I used to call it Facebook. I wasn't interested in it. To me, it was a brick. It was more a weight. So we have to be careful with technology that we don't become disengaged with things of the kingdom because of technology, okay? I believe our biggest regrets in life one day will not be what we did or what we, sorry, what we did or what we did wrong, but what we didn't do for Christ. That will be our biggest regret, what we didn't do for Christ. We need to be engaged, focused on the kingdom. You know, if you look at the mission trips, there's so many things available to get engaged with. The lost, saying I love you to people that mean something to you. Engaging with them, living for Christ, enjoying the moment. Jesus was the most engaged person to walk the faith of the earth. Face of the earth, not so. Many stories, he went into people's house, houses, he engaged with them. He was present. He was present. He engaged with the people. Okay, moving on to A, to the heart. A is authentic. The definition there, authentic. Being who God made you to be. Just be you. You are perfect. You don't have to be anyone else. You are just like God wanted you to be. The opposite to that is artificial. Trying to be who you are not. Trying to impersonate or be someone else. No one wants an artificial heart. The doctors will agree. They won't last. We need a real, authentic heart. Be real. Be real. And you know, at the men's camp, we started a process of mentorship. I've, we've, we've got a group of four. Erlen's here. Lance. Who's backsliding in our group? <laughs> yes, Andres. Who's missing? Gordon's backsliding. No, he's not. Uh, and uh, Gordy, sorry. <laughs> I apologize, brother. You are, you are a man of God. Stand up, Gordy. Let everyone see you. There's Gordon. Give him a round of applause. I'm telling you, this is a powerful group. This is a powerful group in Jesus' name. But, but we are engaged with each other and we are authentic. We are real with each other. And it's so important to have someone that you can open up your heart, that you can can bear everything out and have guys that have got your back, that love you, that um, esteem you higher than themselves, and cover you in prayer. So it's so important. So that's what we have done from the men's camp, and we want to run it through to the whole church, and, and it's great. It's really, it's really good to have uh, brothers around you. So we need to be real. You know, in those group sessions, we are real with each other. We don't have masks. The masks are completely off. We are real. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We have to be the hands and feet of God, of Jesus. Being authentic and relevant to this generation. You sitting here today, there's people that are lost. You need to be authentic and relevant to that generation that's crying out to God. An authentic heart pursues all that is good and repents of all that is evil. Okay, moving on to the second one. I'm nearly done. I'm nearly done. Just moving on to the second one. The R. Resilient. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not become weary of doing good. 
For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Resilient. You know who grows weary of doing good? People that are not resilient or tough. They are weak and constantly compromising their Christian principles. You know, sometimes we pray, and if it's not answered immediately, what happens? We give up. We walk away disillusioned with a lack of faith and a lack of hope. But why? A lot of the time is because we're not resilient. We're not not tough. We don't persevere. We don't push through. So definition of resilient is tough. Never give up attitude. The opposite is delicate, weak, and compromising. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in God. You know, people in the faith, if you read the Bible, a lot of people have paid for their relationship with God with their own life. But our Western society is that we don't pay with anything. We need to be tough and resolute for when the the tough times come to be able to stand for Christ. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says the following, Therefore we also, since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us lay aside every weight and run with endurance. Okay, then the final one, the T. I believe that is a thankful heart. The definition there is always praising God, always positive from a thankful heart. And the opposite is ungrateful, always complaining. Psalm 107.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His love endures forever and ever. Amen. And David had a heart that continually praised God. So if we can recap quickly, just in closing, the heart, humble, engaged, authentic, resilient, and thankful. Okay, I hope that's spoken to you this morning. If we can just stand together.